Welcome to the build-up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information. It's the build-up on Balls.ie uh, in association with Labrooks. I'm Mick McCarthy. Delighted to be looking ahead to the final day of the Premier League um, today with Kevin Doyle, who's with us as always. Kevin, how are you? I'm very good. So we're going to talk a little bit about some of the, uh, the, the the stats around the Irish players in the Premier League this week, which doesn't make for great reading. We'll talk about that in a little while, but there's lots more to get to. It is the final day of the Premier League. We say goodbye to the Premier League for another season. All we have to look forward to then is, uh, you know, Champions League and European Championships, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it never stops, really, uh, the football train these days. But um, it has been a it, it's been a disappointing season in one way. Um, you know, the title has been wrapped up for ages. Even relegation has been wrapped up for ages. But this top four and European battle has at least keep kept us intrigued. But I suppose the biggest thing that's happened in the last you know week is between the FA Cup final and the midweek games this week is that fans are back in the stadiums and. It's am- I'm actually shocked at how used to it I was having them not there and how different football is. Even watching the Chelsea um, Leicester game the other night and how how much how much vitriol and all was there just because fans were there egging players on a little bit. Yeah, it's just a total different experience. Um, you know, even just from your point of view, if you're on the t- you're you're listening on TV and you have the fake fans on or not, the difference even that side of things, you know. Can you imagine that in a stadium then, how much is amplified for a player and their experience? Um, you know, I, I, I was looking at I was thinking, I'm trying to put my, myself in that position, what it's like. It's just like a pre-season game, every game. Um, and it was so much more difficult to perform well in front of no one, I felt, anyway, than in front of a crowd. It's so much easier to motivate yourself. Your natural adrenaline starts flowing when you walk out and there's thousands of people there and there's noise um, and it, it definitely is a boost a boost to football um, you know and, and they've put on a good show in fairness considering I think considering all that I know it's even everyone's in the same position but um, it's just a total different thing playing in front of a crowd the referee is under more pressure players are getting more stick and, and who can deal with it and all the stuff that goes in it's like a theatre it's like a it's a show going on and um Definitely having a having 30, 40, 50, 60, 70,000, whatever it might be, 5,000, 2,000, depending on the size of the stadium, um, you know, 2,000 can feel like 50,000. So um, definitely all benefits, massive addition back to football. Um, and in fairness, I would applaud the players and staff and coaches being able to put on a decent show considering, you know, um, considering they weren't there. But um, I didn't envy them. Um, no. You know, it was, I didn't like, I didn't like preseason games. I hate them. I never really performed well in any of them. So, um, I, I always perform better in front of the crowd personally, and I think most players are the same. So, um, should be an addition to it. Um, it should be a boost. You know, a mini boost. <laughs> Going into European Championships, crowds at games like that, it'll give a players a, a boost. You know, they're tired at the end of the season. It's been a long season, a lot of stuff going on, um, and this might, you know might make for a good Euros now, this adrenaline and, and it'll be a fresh start for players having fans back again for that. 
Yeah, you can absolutely see with, with the kind of perspective of it being gone for a long time why home advantage matters and why the yeah. results have been so wonky this year. Because even just watching over the last couple of days, like, you know, players jogging or going off time wasting, uh, you know, getting taken off or taking goal kicks or whatever, or getting booed out of the building. And it just feels like a real pressure on. And you've kind of forgotten that that was even a thing. And it just, that matters over the course of a game, over the course of a season. Yeah. It does add up, you know. Um, and it's funny you mentioned about the, the crowd on or crowd off last night when I turned on the game, I went to the Sky Sports main event and immediately went to change it to football so I wouldn't have the crowd. I was like, it was a realisation that it doesn't matter anymore. The opposite works for teams in a bad position in the league. So like in Newcastle, pressure. they were blessed not to have their fans there during that period after Christmas when Steve Bruce was getting awful stick and there was protests and different things and there always seems to be at Newcastle, but not to have them in the stadium. They really finished the season very strongly and then turned it around. And um, so they avoided, you know, the home advantage wasn't a thing for them. It was better for them to be playing away from home if they had a crowd there. So for teams under pressure like that, not performing well, they get a bit of a breathing space and it can help them. But for the top teams at home, um, mm. you know, when you're away from home, you're playing, you're driving into a stadium, you see all the home fans and they're shouting at you and roaring at you and you're starting to feel intimidated and you go out to the pitch and you you know you're getting you're getting it from all quarters it definitely makes it definitely makes it harder to play so i'd like to see i don't know i'd like to see was there a difference in results over the course of the season i'm sure someone will break it down and come out with mm. come out with whether it even the playing field a bit more uh, or not um in my opinion it would have but maybe maybe we would be proven wrong no, it did, yeah. No, there's, there's been stats released. Sorry, I don't have them in front of me, but definitely the most away wins ever and possibly okay. even more away points than home. I could be wrong about that one, but certainly the most away uh, wins um, we've ever had in the Premier League anyway. Um, Palace, or, or not Palace, uh, West Ham, another team that are, have been said to definitely have benefited from the empty London Stadium rather than yeah. they've had an amazing season. And they're still involved. They had a really, really good win last night and they're still involved. Just before we get to this weekend's games, and look, in fairness, somehow the European qualifications have kept this Sunday at least worth watching and yeah. keeping an eye on. But um, you mentioned not liking pre-season friendlies there. Uh, was Did you ever feel like the last day of the season was kind of like a post-season friendly in some ways? It's yeah. weird when some teams are already on holidays and other teams are fighting for their lives or trying to get into Europe or whatever it might be. Yeah, I've had all experiences. I've had I've had the trying to qualify for Europe actually with Reading in the last day of the season. We missed out on goal difference, I think. Um I've had the end of season one plenty of times where nothing mattered and actually played enjoyable end of season game, no pressure on it, good crowd, everyone's in a good mood. You're looking forward to your holidays. Um or an Irish trip to America for <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it is at the end of the season. But no, you're, yeah, and you definitely enjoy the end of the season and, and you actually play well a few times playing well that last game of the season just because, you know, you're there, it's such a long haul and you sort of feel like there's a weight lifted off your shoulders. You've seen out another year and it, it can be some good games. Um, we're talking about Aston Villa there playing Chelsea and you're thinking Chelsea more to play for, but Villa be enjoying it. They've had a good little finish of the season, a good result the other night, and they'll be at home in front of their home fans last game of the season. The people there, you know, you'd worry for Chelsea in that respect because Villa, you know, I'd imagine they'll play quite well and enjoy the game. Um, I've been in the relegation battles last game of the season. I've been relegated last game of the season. And those ones, horrible going out into them. Um, been the game, we played Blackburn. And both of us could be relegated in the last game of the season, Wolves v Blackburn, and we both ended up 
it was one all or two all in the game, I think, and we needed that result. Both of us stayed the same and we both stayed up. I think the other team was Birmingham who were losing. So if we both drew, we set up and we passed it around for about 15 minutes and the referee gave out to us and, and all that. But, you know, we didn't break any rules. Um, so experience all sides of it. Um, I definitely prefer, well, the, the one, we played Blackburn and we beat them, but we needed to score another couple of goals to qualify for Europe for Reading. That was nice to have something like that to go for at the end of the season. But I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed the just a game with nothing to play for and uh, last game season at home. Being at home is a big thing and sort of just, you know, the, enjoy it and uh, say goodbye yeah. to the fans and oh it's and, like a, yes exactly yeah. yeah and your kids can go on the pitch and it's it's a sunny day usually in my head it was yeah. all a sunny day and uh usually a good game good atmosphere tell me about that game with blackburn then sorry i did uh, gone off on, on on a tangent here but uh yeah. i don't remember that it's very ireland holland and italian 90 just yeah, uh, that type yeah yeah, so, so what did the captain did the two captains kind of get together on the side? I, just, I just yeah there was a bit of conversation to and fro we were obviously the last game of the season you know both of us knew we could be relegated we were looking at other results and you're seeing everything that's going on and they're being shouted on and um, that was a case I think I don't even I think I was injured I think I might have been even sitting in the sitting on the bench I can't actually remember whether I played or not I feel like I played but I mightn't have um, Stephen Hunt scored a really good goal um, I think to equalise in that game and we knew then both teams knew we shouted on and yeah we definitely had a word and we both knew we just passed it around and we were both going to stay up so that was the way it was um, I remember speaking to Jermaine Jones the American international that played with my Colorado and he played for Blackburn that day and um, just both speaking how mental the last 15 or 20 minutes of that game was and while we knew we could pass it around and enjoy the game we also knew if the results changed at the, the other game the Birmingham game that we might have to change and go try beat um, Blackburner, they beat us, so it was yeah. very cagey last 15 and, and a bit of trust involved as well, because yeah. happens if, you know, they, one of those lads decided he wanted a goal bonus. Yeah, I know, yeah, it was, you know, and it was definitely a case of people telling other players, just calm down, what are you doing, you know, um, shouting to either side, and the, and the more experienced players in either team talking to the lads who mightn't have understood the scenario or the situation or, yeah. or whatever, so, but yeah, I, I'd love to see the, the highlights of the back of that one again. It's basically keeper to fullback, back to keeper to midfielder. No one pressing, no one shows them down, and um, worked out. Worked out. Yeah. Very good. That's a that's a fascinating story. I must look that up. Uh, the Champions League then this weekend is is like it's obviously the biggest thing to play for. Leicester, Chelsea, and Liverpool have put themselves in pole position here. Yeah. Chelsea winning that game the other night. I wonder would Leicester give back the cup. I hope not, but I wonder would they um, to have won that game and put themselves in the Champions League. But, you know, Chelsea, as you said, they don't have an easy task at Villa. Liverpool have had a bit of history with Palace over the years for yeah. games, but you still can't see them not winning at this stage. And Leicester don't have the easiest game in the world against Spurs, even though Spurs were terrible the other night. But it is all very close. It's one point between the three of them. Chelsea aren't even in yet. You know, it feels like yeah. Chelsea have been you know, crowned at this stage, but um, they actually have to win at Villa Park. Lots of stories, permutations. Villa Park, I said that last game of the season, Villa playing well, their last home game in front of fans. That won't be easy. Um, Chelsea could have a scenario where two weeks ago, you know, Tuchel was the best manager in the world and they were going to be Champions League winners, FA Cup winners and going to Europe. And now all of a sudden, you know, it could be, could be a disaster a few weeks. You know, lose to Leicester as they did in the FA Cup, miss out in the Champions League and not win the and not win the Champions League. You know, it's amazing how, you know, a couple of games can make such a difference. So, a lot of pressure on them. 
Liverpool playing Crystal Palace, Roy Hodgson's last game in charge, um, probably ever as a manager, you'd imagine, he's the way he's speaking, and um, last game at Palace anyway, and his history at Liverpool, um, you know, I'm sure he'd like to get one over them for his last game. So there's so many stories and permutations. Um, I'd probably, you know, I probably, I, t- I said Leicester want to miss out four months ago to you or three months ago, whenever that was. But I'd love, I'd love to see him make it. I'd love to see, and I, I still have a feeling they might. I'd love to see their celebration, how much it meant to them and their owner after the, the FA Cup final. And I don't think they would swap. I really, really don't think they would swap. Seeing how happy they were on that pitch, how happy their owner was. Um, you know, listen, that means more, I think, than getting into the Champions League. I know financially it doesn't, but, you know, for yourself, morally and sporting, it definitely does. So, um, I, I would go, I still think Leicester might sneak in and Chelsea might be the ones to miss out. So, um, Liverpool make it as well. If I had to pick any formulation results, I just think yeah. Aston Villa v Chelsea is going to be a tough game for Chelsea. Yeah. For sure, um, definitely not 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 an easy one anyway. Not the one they would want. And funny okay. enough, Leicester are playing Spurs, which like would have looked like the toughest game. But Spurs last night were just absolutely like just yeah. so bereft of any kind of passion. I wonder is the Harry Kane thing getting to them? They have no manager as such. You just think that they're already gone, but they're yeah. going to slip out because like amazingly, and I can't actually believe this. Arsenal are a point behind them. Arsenal are playing right at home. Uh, Everton are a point behind. Like you're talking about, there's a very good chance if Leicester beat Spurs, Spurs don't even get into the European yeah. Conference. I haven't even got the name of it right, <laughs> whatever it's called. European Super League, you know? uh, the, the, the whatever this uh, conference yeah. thing is. If you finish ninth, yeah, and it'd be fitting into the season for them, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. Arsenal as well to finish out, that would hurt, um, and you can see it happening. Um, there's a day every year that Arsenal Spurs or Arsenal fans have where it's mathematical. I think it's called Saint Saint Seven Hotteringham's Day or something. Or like something that. Like that where where mathematically uh, Tottenham can't catch them in the, in the league and it worked for a long, long time. Um, but um, could happen on the last day of the season this year. Um, yeah, I just think the Harry Kane thing coming out two games before that you could see that in performance last night. It's just. A club like where do we go from here? If we lose Harry Kane, you sort of have to rebuild again. They're looking for a manager. It's sort of stuck in they're stuck in no man's land for the last few weeks of the season, aren't they? Um, and you just be, you know, if you're a player there, like the Gareth Bale's on loan there, he's probably going back to Madrid. And then yeah, there's just they're sort of in a another era of looking like it's going to all have to change again. And you could see mm-hmm. that in the performance. They were all just their season, their heads is over, and they want to be out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but missing out in Europe would obviously be a big, uh, yeah. a big factor in terms of who they bring oh, in, to be honest, managers and everything. They'd probably be better off, wouldn't they, missing out on yeah. that reserve? Or, you know, what would you call it? Conference, Euro League, or whatever. Like, yeah. I think they would if they're getting a new manager. They'd be better off concentrating on the league and getting getting into the proper European competition and, and yeah. having that sideline for six months of the year, traveling here, there, and everywhere. If they do beat Leicester, though, they will be in the Europa League proper. Um, Everton yeah. and Arsenal can jump them. Can jump them. Uh, sixth and seventh looks like it's going to be, um, and fifth obviously, um, with all the permutations of the cups and different things. So, um, West Ham did themselves a huge favour last night in late goal. Looks like they're going to be, and that's a great achievement in itself. Uh, 
all these games are part of one two three this week so we might get your picks um labrooks one two three where you can play along pick three pick the scores in three games this weekend and uh if you get all three right you can win yourself 100 euro cash kevin's gonna uh, show you how here now leicester versus spurs um again like this is it's both teams have to win which should make for a fun game but again you're relying on spurs yeah. caring <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't think it's lack of care, but it's just a lack of, I don't know, yeah, leadership and inspiration and seeing yeah. players want to leave. So their captain is, you know, putting in a transfer request, basically. So um, I'm going for a Leicester home win here, um, finishing the season strong. Uh, I'm going to go for 2-0 to Leicester. 2-0 to Leicester. Liverpool versus Palace then. Uh, again, you have all kinds of memories of this fixture, uh, of the cost of the league. On a couple of occasions, the cup semi final back in 1990, beating them, I think, was it 9 1 or something like that? They beat 9 0, maybe they beat them in, a, in in another league year some some other time. It seems like it's always something happens in this game. Yeah, and we had just said Roy Hodgson's last game and his yeah, exactly. previous history with Liverpool. You could sort of maybe see Palace upsetting the upper card here a bit. Um, you know, I still, I'm, I'm going to go with Liverpool. Yeah, it's hardly, you know, there's that side to the story. There's a bit of a storyline that I have some one, but I'm going to go with Liverpool um, nipping into Europe. So I go with uh, 2 1 home win. 2 1, 2 1. Did you see um, when Alisson scored that goal against West Brom, you kind of couldn't see anything but Liverpool? Meant to be, isn't it? When he's scoring goals and, and just Klopp interviewed her yesterday, can't believe that they still have a chance where we go. They were written off a few weeks ago. They've got themselves back into this position. Hard to see it, see it slipping away now. Yeah, and just four four goals ahead on goal difference um, to Palace. So obviously, your predictions there would only uh, are from Leicester, sorry, but that would only cut it by one. Um, so it would rely on Chelsea dropping points at Villa. That's not one of the one, two, three games though. West Ham versus Southampton is so that West Ham are on sixty two after their win last night. They don't have as good a goal difference as um spurs but do have a better goal difference than everton chances are they don't really even need anything from this yeah. game They're like a, a clear but like a point would guarantee them europa league spot and again for like david moyes and the amount of times he's been written off and become a punchline really as a manager um and especially even to get it back together when that form has slipped in yeah. the last few weeks it's really an incredible achievement people were genuinely tipping west ham to get relegated this yeah year. brilliant manager of the season um to get them where they are. I'm going to go for a home win. Again, three home wins this week. I'm going to go 2-0 by Sam. Yeah, he's been excellent. You know, brilliant for so long at Everton and then basically written off when he, you know, he didn't have success on Man United, but, you know, neither did any manager in the previous, you know, after since Alex Ferguson left. Then he Sunderland and then going to Spain and it was all like looking like it ended basically manager career and now he's back at the top and flying and did a fantastic job the last two years. Um, yeah, really, it's delighted to see him because he obviously he looks, I don't know, he looks like a real honest, genuine manager who, you know, um, you felt for when things weren't going well and it's nice to see him being able to stay strong, turn it all around and shows you a bit of perseverance and um, he's back where he was, you know, seen as a really respected, good manager like he was at Everton. Yeah, absolutely. Um, fair play to him. So Kevin's picks for one, two, three: Leicester two, Spurs nil, Liverpool two, Palace one, and West Ham two, Southampton nil. That's three home wins. If you want to play yourself, you can do so for free on Ladbrokes.com. Pick all three scores. If you get one right, you get a one euro free bet. If you get two, you get a five euro free bet. And if you get all three, you win a hundred euro cash. Kevin, Premier League season is uh, basically done and dusted. Uh, just have some stats on some Irish players who played, and it's just I, I don't ever remember it being as bad as this. I'll run through 
through it quickly. You've got uh, the most appearances has been uh, Dave McGoldrick with 34. He's retired from international football. They got relegated. Then you have John Egan and uh, Enda Stevens at 30 and 29, both relegated. relegated. Then Darrow O'Shea and Callum Robinson next on 27, both relegated. O'Shea has slipped out of the team in recent weeks. But a good story. That's not kind of like this bit. You know, he's actually one yeah. of the better stories we have. Then you have Seamus Coleman, who's probably playing as good a football as ever and back fully in that Everton team at 25. Next, Kieran Clark, 22 at Newcastle. Hendrick, 21 at Newcastle, has dropped out of that team. Uh, completely. Robbie Brady at 19 has dropped out of the Burnley team. Aaron Connolly's not getting off the bench at 16 with Brighton. Matt Doherty came on last night, first appearance in a long time uh, for Spurs, 16. James McCarthy, 15. Kev, uh, Shane Long, who's not even with uh, Southampton anymore with 11. And then you're into single figures. Kevin Long, Connor Howerhan, Obafemi, who's been injured. Dan Randolph, three appearances. Smallbone, who was injured. Um, Jimmy Dunn, Creepin Kelleher, Jason Malumbi won. You know, it's not a lot. Uh, Goals-wise, Oh. David McGoldrick has scored seven again, retired. Yeah. Great season for, for Dizzy, but uh, no use Ireland anymore. Um, Callum Robinson with five, which came in uh, most of all against Chelsea, or two, four of them against Chelsea anyway. Uh, no, all of them against Chelsea. Uh, uh, Aaron Connolly with two, Jeff Hendrick with two, and then Brady, Clark, Dunn, and um, Harrahan all had one. We had eight players got 11 assists. Yeah. Three of them were Seamus Coleman, two of them were Doherty, and a load of others got one. I've never known Irish players to have such a lack of an impact in the league. Yeah. So you have the Sheffield United guys on a team that were really, really struggling. And you, and then basically you had a Callum Robinson headline one tw- on two days, and you had Seamus Coleman being Carlo Ancelotti's favourite player. And that's really it, isn't it? Yeah, it's not great, is it? Just... Like, even when you were saying David McGoldrick there and he's retired and I'm saying he's had a great season with seven uh, goals. And I'm like, just brought me back. I, I was at Reading one of, one of the years in the Premier League and I got seven goals and it was seen as a disaster season. Yeah. Uh, and you'd take that now all day, wouldn't you? Um, yeah, just, I know. And nearly all those players you listed out, you know, most of them are defenders, I'd imagine. Um, nearly all of them, the high appearances are defenders. Um, David McGoldrick, as I said before, but he's retired. So, yeah, it's not just the way it's been. It's been the sort of curve for the last, you know, a good few years, hasn't it? It's been a downward sort of... This year seemed to have, you know, at the start of the season, we've been a good few players in there. Mm-hmm. Sheffield, hopefully have a good season. It hasn't. They've been relegated. In fact, they've been relegated. Wipes out half our squad, um, you know, between them and West Brom. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have an answer for it. I can't, you know, tell you why, where, what. It just is not good. Um, you know, it's, it's harder than ever, I would say, to play in your Premier League. It's harder than it was... You know, ten years ago. Um, but I don't know. These things come in cycles, don't they? I feel yeah. new, and I'm hoping we'll have another wave. I, you know, we seem to have good underage coming through there, and I'm hoping we'll have another wave of a lot of players in the top sort of tier. You know, and I can, you know, going on my own position and, and you know, looking ten years ago when we seen it then, and and it, you know, there was no big, you know, hoo ha, great deal about. But we had Robbie Keane maybe getting. You know, between 15 and 20 goals a season in the Premier League. And, um, you know, we plenty of other strikers, myself and Shane Long and, you know, Darren Murphy and John Waters, um, you know, Leon Best, you know, all these players were getting a good few goals every year and they weren't even making the team and sometimes not the squad. You know, Andy Keogh was playing the Premier League, scoring goals at times, you know, couldn't get in the squad. You know, the different words now. Um, just going through a leaner time I don't like criticise the players are trying doing their best and they've some good players we've some good young players we, we're just not as many as we had in years now hopefully it'll add to it we, 
you know, it's, we could definitely do, I suppose, centre forward wise. We need to start bringing through a few more young ones. I thought Aaron Connolly might have played a bit more. He seems to get a lot of injuries. He looks exciting and dangerous when he plays. He doesn't seem to play a whole lot. He seems, you know, he needs to get over the niggles and different things he seems to get. Play more games, start, you know, whether it's at Brighton or going low, play games, score goals. Um, but yeah, it's those figures. It's tough listening, tough yeah. reading. There's not if you look at academies, like, you know, these Premier League clubs are the richest clubs in the world now, you know, bar a few. And like, I mean, they're bringing in players in the academy from all around the world. It's not just local lads and then Irish and Scottish guys, you know, as it used to be. So you can understand that well. You know, they, they're in there, but there's just many more players, so it's harder for them to come through, and that's understandable. But, I mean, I often look at, you know, your path, and I just wonder, is that as available now? I, like, in a way, you know, Reading come into you as a yeah. championship team and sign you off Cork City, you know, and it happened to a few other players, like, you know, Shane came from, from, from Cork as well, yeah. and it happened to a few other players. Shane was yeah. Coleman, exactly. You go into the first team, you get promoted... They build around you, and I'm just wondering if Reading had the type of money that you know a, a, a West Brom or someone has nowadays, you know, from Premier League money, yeah. would they be buying somebody else from far, even if it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean a better player? And does that make the path harder for Irish players to get involved? Yeah, everything you know, everything's more difficult, but then I'm just going on my thing. I was signed from a Reading team who didn't have a whole lot of money time and were nowhere near looking like getting promoted. And I was signed as a backup striker. So I wasn't signed. I suppose like that still exists. That that you know, there's still that pathway for a mid-table championship yeah. team to sign it's a league current right. striker as a backup striker, which I was signed by Reading. I just happened to perform well really quickly and get in the team. Um and they happened to get promoted. So, you know, it just you just have to I think players, young lads now we've seem to get a lot of players still going over to England and in academies and that route is getting harder and harder you know English teams now you know in the premiership they're not giving it young players in the academy really unless they're super special there's so many options to sign players all over the world there's so much money it is the you know I suppose when I was in the Premier League say with Reading you know when you look around your squad it was still mainly made up of a bunch of English Irish Scottish a few Icelandic you know, whereas even in that 10 years, that's changed massively to any team, championship or Premier League. It's You're competing against the world, whereas 10 years ago, we weren't quite still competing against the world as much. We were just competing a bit more around the British Isles. Um, it's just more difficult, and players need to realise that. Parents of young lads need to realise that. Going over to an academy in England at a young age is harder and harder and harder every year. Um whether Brexit will change that and the rules and immigration rules yeah. and all that. I don't know whether it make it more harder or make it easier or what. But um, I just think players need to, need to, if from my point of view, stay at home and learn their trade. The League of Ireland is perfectly well capable of bringing players through. As it has shown, you went through a list there. Our best current Irish player, our most experienced player, Seamus Coleman, came through at Sligo. There's a setup, there's coaches, there's the facilities. They're not Man City's facilities, they're not Man United's facilities, but they're perfectly good to make a player a professional footballer. And if you can't get through a League of Ireland system and become a man and, and play at a professional level in the League of Ireland, then it is a professional level and you learn all the tricks and the trades and you learn to grow and you learn to do a press all at a smaller scale rather than doing it. I have this argument all the time, rather than doing it in a youth system in England and not getting exposed to any of the pressures of being a professional Um and then not being ready when you do get a chance. So I just think you 
it more and more emphasizes the reason why you should stay in Ireland and you should come through that way and it'll make you a better player in the long run. And if you're not good enough to come through in Ireland, well, then you weren't good enough to come through in England anyway. So um, I would just, you know, if any parents or any young lads watching or doing that, just, and, and, and the history in, the, in Irish squad in the last 10 or 15 years, the bulk of the players have gone that route and are successful and have a long career and end up having a good career in England. Um, it's less and less happening where you have a Damien Duff or a Robbie Keane and it will one in one in a million will happen where they go across and they're that good that they will break through but you know if you want to get build the building blocks get a good career mature and learn all the sides of being professional you're so much better doing at home in your own country where you have a chance to come through and make yourself a star and then go and go straight into professional south in England and start higher up rather than fighting through a system which is like a field of I've had this thing. It's like a field of cattle. You're every year hundreds of cattle, and one or two are picked out, and the rest mm. are sent to slaughter. That is what a youth system is like in England, and it's it's very, very, very difficult for young players mentally and physically to be able to do that. It's not a nice environment. As much as they say and sell it, and they get you know they get educated and all that, it's not normal. It's not natural. So um, we must be the only country in the world who does what we do, sending all these players to a different country at a young age. No one else does it. And people criticize League of Ireland clubs and facilities and this and the other. Well, you don't need a world-class gym. You don't need a world-class pitch. All the coaches now have pro licenses, have, you know, different, have to have licenses, have to be vetted. All the clubs have to have a certain amount of facilities. You just, you don't need five-star facilities. You just need facilities and the right setup. And I think um, the only way to go long-term is to do it that way with Ireland. But that's not going to happen overnight. And, you know, even if it starts now, it's going to take a long time to filter through Mm. But it is starting now. I think it is happening more and more, but it's not going to give us Premier League players next season or the season after. You know, it's, if we do something, we decide to do it in Ireland. Everyone seems to want an instant result next week and, and go, well, we don't have the players next year. You know, it's, it, takes, it takes a whole generation. It takes 10 years of a young player, 10, 12 years of age, coming through a system to making, a, you know, making, a, making an international side or a you know, becoming a professional footballer. So uh, yeah. whatever happens, going to take time, and uh, we're not going to see the we're not going to see the benefits of it in the next European Championships or the World Cup qualifying campaign or whatever it might be. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. Well, that's like I mean, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think if we are, if we were seeing that those processes were in place and actually bearing some fruits, I think I hope to anyway that the Irish football and public would have a little bit of patience and wait to see it come true. And unfortunately, that, like not to end the season, the Premier League season anyway, on a downer. But those stats are worrying. But again, if they, if they do create the kind of change you're kind of talking about, then you know, so be it. It also bears in mind the next time we're uh, we're listening to criticism of Stephen Kenny as uh, to maybe no other Irish manager has had this uh, level to work with unfortunately but um kevin it's been brilliant we'll uh we've got a champions league final next week to talk about so um we'll be uh hopefully on a more positive level um when when, when we talk about that but thanks a million for uh for your time today cheers mate good talking to you again thanks to kevin um don't forget as well the uh uspga is just starting around about now actually maybe in the next hour or so so you can go back and listen to our preview with uh mike bailey the man the man with all the tips i don't think he's ever missed out with us uh, since we've covered him for majors he had um he had marikawa last year he had um uh, matsuyama for the masters there a month or so ago so uh check out his tips on uh, the podcast feed and uh if you're gambling on the golf football anything at all please do always gamble responsibly visit from louis for more information and we'll be back with you with more build up next week